This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Delighted to be joined on Football CFB this evening by a very special guest. If you follow Scottish football, you will know the man I'm talking to today. His name is Adam Miller, but you will know him as Old Firm Facts. He has been tweeting for, for many years on, on Twitter and is also now a full-time writer. His columns have featured in Record Sport, The Daily Record, Glasgow Life, and he also was the winner of Best Writer from the Scottish Football Supporters Association in 2018 and 19. First of all, Adam, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on. The, the first thing that I want to ask you about, and, and it's uh, the CFB, there's, there's quite a few listeners um, across the globe that are out with Scotland. So given the fact that you're a very popular writer in Scotland and, and the crazy elements of Scottish football, how would you describe Scottish football to an outsider? <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Um, I would describe Scottish football as a surreal home, a, a, a surreal world that's home to narcissists, masochists, the delusional, and uh, all sorts of weird and wonderful people. And all of those are positives. I agree. I think there's so many incredible characters. There's just it's, it's a it's a game, and, and football is a game that we all love across the globe. But in Scotland, even when there is no football, there are hundreds of stories as we we witnessed during yeah. the lockdown. I mean, in terms of the characters and the crazy goings on, I mean, your your piece this week in Scottish football, uh, we're on to hundreds of volumes now. I mean, <laughs> do, do you ever do you ever think? I wonder if one week they'll just be a normal run of the mill <laughs> week in Scottish football. I genuinely go back and forward between thinking starting that weekly roundup thing was a great idea and a terrible idea because it's 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 brilliant in terms of looking back at what you know almost like an, an archive of the ridiculous things that have happened over the last few seasons. But there is a point every Sunday where I'm like, oh Jesus, I've got to do this again. I always really enjoy the finished product, but I'm like. I get really sort of particular about cropping the images and all that kind of thing so that it doesn't look like I've just thrown it together at the last minute. And it's not like it's something you get paid to do. It's just something I decided to do off my own back. And then every Sunday I'm like, right, okay. Um, but no, I, I do enjoy putting it together. And it's, you know, I'll do every year, I'll do kind of uh, an alternative awards thing and I'll do season reviews and all the rest of it. And it's really handy to just go back and look at, you know, what's happened every week through that roundup. But yeah, you always go into it, maybe at the start of the week, thinking, uh, I don't see much happening. It'll probably be a quiet one. And then it's by Sunday, it's never a case of trying to find enough content for it. It's trying to narrow it down so that it fits into those sort of small pictures for Twitter. And in terms of old term facts, what was the inspiration behind that? Because you, I, I know people, uh, you'll know this because your, your mentions are filled with it. 
I think it's the perfect name because it really stimulates all the debate and craziness that you referred to in your intro as to what Scottish football's about from both sides. Well, absolutely no thought whatsoever went into the name. It was there was never any kind of grand plan with the account. So I didn't if I'd known that it was going to take off and lead to the certain opportunities that I've had and the places that I've been with it. I would have sat down for ages and probably given it a better name than Old Fun Facts. But I genuinely, all that, all that happened was uh, my friend Stevie that I was working with at the time, who's now involved in the Extreme Polls podcast, um, he had said to me for a while, he was really big on Twitter and he are really into it. And he was saying to me for a while, you'd, you'd like this, you'd be good at it. And I just didn't really see the appeal of it. But um, I was sitting one day in the flat and had a couple of, jokes just come to mind about Celtic and Rangers and I was going to just send it to someone and I was like you know I'll I'll just put it out on Twitter and see what happens and then I kind of get into it and the nature of Twitter and all that people share it and suddenly it became a thing but yeah it was purely just well I need to set up an account if I'm going to post these jokes and they're sort of fake facts about the old firm and I don't want to you know if you call it fake facts then it just kind of undermines what you're trying to do with the jokes you want you know an element of people going is this real or not you know um so old firm facts just you know seemed to seem catchy enough it took about two seconds to think of turns out that the, there was already someone who had an account that they didn't use but it had about three tweets in it or something and it had the name old firm facts so that's why my handle's old firm facts one but um yeah no thought no, not much thought at all went into it, but uh, there's so it's only maybe once or twice a day over the last few years of my life that I've had someone telling me there's no old firm. Well, that's the thing. Every time I see it, I just it just makes me smile and laugh, and I think, wow, it's incredible how caught up people can get even even after all these years when the account is incredibly incredibly well established. Uh, the fact yeah. that somebody will tweet that to you on a random Tuesday, thinking, oh, I bet he's not heard this one before. I know it's strange to me because I mean a lot of the time when people send that to me now um, they're doing it in an ironic way but you do sometimes get the ones who really mean it they're the angry ones and you think why does this matter so much to you people seem to really get wound up by the term old firm and I'm like I don't I just don't care and I think uh, I think if, they did, if it didn't wind people up so much then maybe I might have changed it at some point but it's what I'm identified by and I, I uh, I have no emotional attachment one way or another to the term old firm, but it's, you know, it's the account's done all right, so I'm not going to change it. It certainly has, and one of the, the big characters in Scottish football, well, maybe you would say he's not necessarily a big character, but you've certainly, I suppose, turned him into that, is, is James Forrest. I mean, in the bio, the tweets James Forrest has read to him at bedtime. I mean, that the James Forrest um, jokes were ongoing for a number of years, and the question I've got for you about James, was James aware of those jokes? Were you ever told that he was aware? Well, it's funny, right? Because I kept the James Forrest thing in the bio, but I, I genuinely think over the last maybe three or four years, you could count the references to James Forrest on my account on one hand. So you're lucky if there's a James Forrest joke once a year on my account. But whenever you whenever I do that there's the same guys always pop up going oh he's always banging on about James Forrest and I'm thinking 
I'm not going to get into it with you, mate, but if you can point to five tweets about James Forrest from the last 12 months, I'll shut this account down, you know. But back in the early days of it, it became a kind of running joke. Um, I think it all kind of started from a picture of him and Fraser Forster. And Fraser Forster's got his top off with the league trophy. And James Forrest, who's at that point a kind of emerging player in the Celtic team, is wearing his tracksuit. And he just looks like Fraser Forrest is posing with a ma- uh, Fraser Forster's posing with a mascot, and it kind of grew from there. This running joke about him looking like a child, and even though I, you know, I weaned myself off these those jokes, he still kind of does look like a child. At the time, or after I'd been doing it for a while, and it became an established thing, I saw someone say to his brother Alan, who's a player as well, obviously. Um, <laughs> They, they asked Alan, someone tweeted Alan saying, has James seen those tweets that Old Farm Facts does? And uh, he, he replied saying something like, yeah, he doesn't find it funny. So, <laughs> I think I'd have prob- I, I, I think I kind of would have worried more if he did find it funny. Well, and it is something that, that so many have found funny, and I'm sure over the years it's something that have, that's definitely been mentioned to him in, in the dressing room, whether that's with Scotland or, or Celtic. Yeah. And in terms of yourself, I mean, I've heard you appear on Off the Ball um, on more than one occasion, and, and for me, that, that programme sums up so much of what's good about Scottish football. It's been ongoing for 25 mm-hmm. years. It encapsulates what, what it used to anyway. Well, fanzine culture, it's obviously evolved as times went on. For you, just mm-hmm. how big a moment was it to appear in that show and be broadcasting to the nation? That's one of the best moments that I've had since Old Firm Facts uh, started. And it's one of those opportunities that I'm not daft enough to think wouldn't have happened if I'd built up and if I hadn't built up a name through Twitter. It's not like I could have just sent them a letter going or an email going, by the way, guys, I think I'm quite funny. I might be good on your show. I'd built up an audience up through uh, Twitter, and that's obviously how it came to their attention. Um, but you you get confident doing doing the tweets for a few years. Like Twitter's the kind of natural habitat for me. I'd been doing it for for a while. I knew how to you know create a tweet and what works well and what doesn't and all the rest of it but it's all very well being the you know in, in very commas funny guy on social media it's a different thing entirely going into that environment a show that uh, had been running for well over 20 years when I first went on it um, and I grew up listening to Off the Ball and it was so it was just surreal being in the studio the first time um, I've done it now, I think six or seven times, but the first time in particular, it was surreal being there. And you're you're sat in the studio and the music starts playing that kind of greetings and all the rest of it. And I'm thinking, you know, you're you're that used to just hearing that through the radio and then you're just, you're in it. And I didn't really have any kind of experience in that world before. And I think I did all right the first time that I was on it, but I've definitely been better since the first time. And it just, the main thing for me was just get through it without saying anything absolutely stupid or swearing. And I don't think I said anything that stupid, but (laughs) Tam did sort of half apologise for me saying the word pish on air um, at one point. Um, But yeah, I I got through it and I've been back a few times and it was only after maybe the third or fourth time I felt like I could really relax doing it. I was like, right, I know how it works now. I know I've got a kind of rapport with Stuart and Tam now. I kind of know how 
you know, when to not say anything, when to jump in. And you, you, it gets really enjoyable at that stage. And yeah, I love doing it. And in terms of yourself and, and, and your journey, you, you've talked a few times already about how establishing that profile, that um, audience on Twitter has been has been very important and very helpful to yourself. Did you ever foresee a moment where it would transfer into a full-time role where you had paid employment, obviously, as a writer for many years, and now, obviously, are hoping to move on to, to maybe many more exciting challenges? I mean, I, I imagine that was maybe surreal at first. Yeah, it, it, certainly when I set the account up, there wasn't a second where I thought that was what it was going to lead to. It was always something that I'd hoped would happen for me, but I thought I'd never really built up momentum with it, so I didn't think it was going to happen for me. And again, it was one of these things where building up an audience is what got me into those rooms. I know I'm I'm not daft enough, again, to have thought, well, I could just email these guys and say, I bet you I can be a good writer if you give me a chance to do it. What, you know, particularly... Um, in the modern era of journalism, if you can show them that you have an inbuilt audience, that you have people who follow you, and that if you know if you're writing stories, those are potential readers that you're already bringing to them. That's a big selling point for you when you get into those rooms and get speaking to those people. And it was it wasn't it didn't happen overnight, but within maybe about eighteen months or so, there was an opportunity for me to start writing jokes just kind of down the side of the page once uh, every Saturday in the Daily Record. And I've gone on to do bigger things than that, but that was one of the, that was one of the most exciting moments for me was because that was the paper that, you know, my mum my and dad took when I was a kid. Um, and then suddenly, even though it was just these daft wee jokes down the side of the page, I, I could say, well, I'm in the Daily Record now. That's something that I thought of, and it's in the paper now. Um, and it was from there... Again, there was no grand strategy, but it was always a case of, well, if I do this well enough, if I always hit the deadlines, if I keep up what I think and my editor thinks is a consistent level of work, then more opportunities will hopefully come from that. And from that, in the 2016 Euros, yeah, uh, Euro 2016, um, they asked me to start doing TV reviews. So basically, uh, by the end, you know, shortly after full time of that night's game, send them 350 words on Gary Lineker's been saying what Rio Ferdinand, Martin O'Neill and everyone have been saying. And it would have to be, has to be kind of funny. It has to have a beginning, a middle and an end. It has to be no more or less than 350 words and it because they run to a tight schedule at night, it has to be in, at, I think, 10 o'clock on the dot. And that was doing that over the course of a summer. I think I did about 17 or 18 of those throughout the Euros. And it was relentless. It was, you know, you're, you're trying to not, not just write down anything that has to be really following a format, following a structure. Um, and it taught me a kind of different skill. It wasn't just about writing jokes you know, it was crafting something that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And not, not when I used, could have used a better word than crafting. It's not, you know, it's not deep literature or anything like that. But it was my first experience of putting something together properly um, and hitting a deadline. And I knew that if I hit the deadlines every night, kept a decent standard with it, then something else might come of it. And sure enough, at the end of the Euros, 
had a meeting at the offices uh, at the at the record building, and I got offered a regular column with Glasgow Live, and that was probably the kind of biggest breakthrough that I've had. Um, and I still, up until very recently, when I left the company, was writing regular. Uh, well, up until earlier this year, I was writing regular columns for Glasgow Live, and through that, eventually, I got the the full time job working in the building going back and forwards between Glasgow Live, Record Sport, Daily Record, and various other publications. Um, so, yeah, it, was, it wasn't just a case of, um, you know, it happening overnight. It was every time I got a new opportunity, it was do this to the best of my ability, try and keep it funny, hit the deadlines, make it coherent, articulate, and something else will come of it. And it always did something else always did come of it if you you know if you did the work well and on time and you were a decent person to work with there's always another door that will open the, the thing about yourself and, and the journey for me adam is you, you mentioned building up the following then getting your opportunity it's a small opportunity at first with down the side as you say you build yeah. that into a regular column you're then in the building so you're gradually progressing um, each each year, each month, as as you go through, but not only that, you you're recognised in Scottish football by the fans as the best writer in both 2018 and 2019. I mean, when you look at those achievements, how much pride does it fill you with? Because when you think of sports journalism, when you think of football writing, there's there's certain names that are maybe established as and and have been established for many years, and and maybe they're the the names that you would expect to, to always be in that sort of company, but for yourself, coming from setting up your Twitter account, building up your own following organically, to getting those achievements alongside some of the, the most well-known writers in the country. I mean, just sum up what that was like, because from the outside looking in, it was it was incredibly inspiring, and for me, still is. That's good to hear. Um, it was For me, it was just nice to have something shiny to put next to the most improved player in my under-13s team, which is literally the only thing I've ever won in my, my life that I got a trophy for. Um, but yeah, it, it was actually the first one I, I won was uh, with the SFA, uh, SFSA was for 2016, but they weren't making trophies for them back then. And I don't think I put it in my Twitter bio, but um, yeah, I've, it's been... Yeah, it, it was amazing. The first time I won it, I didn't even know. Uh, I actually just was reading a story about, I think, maybe Chris Sutton or someone had won an award and then it said down at the bottom and then the other awards, Old Firm Facts won, and I was like, did I? No one mentioned it to me. Um, but the 2018-2019, the, the I think it was a bigger deal then. It was more established, the SFSA, and they were, they were given trophies and uh, they were, you know, there was a proper kind of not ceremony, but they were they were um, they were getting in touch with everyone and um, sending out the, the trophies and all the rest of it. And it, it did mean a lot because I mean it was voted for by supporters, so I knew it wasn't just a case to say three people on a, a panel, which you know, and obviously that would be amazing to win as well. But to know that there were people who enjoyed what I was doing enough to vote for it was it felt like kind of validation of what I was doing, and also it sort of felt like. You know, it was a way to sort of show to people in my life who didn't really understand what I was doing with Old Firm Facts. That maybe either they weren't really into football or they weren't into Twitter to show this is actually something 
you know, I believe anyway, he's got a little bit of substance to it. And so, yeah, it's uh, it, it did mean a lot to, to win it. You're supposed to be kind of cool about these things and go, ah, whatever. But, you know, it did come as a bit of validation for me. And it's, it's something that I'm, you know, really happy about. One of the big things in 2020 so far that, that's really made me laugh every single time. And it's been a year where we've all needed a laugh. The, the way that you've managed to create headlines, um, such as <laughs> Donald Trump, for, yeah. <laughs> former uh, interested investor, uh, fails in US election bid. I mean, see for, see for yourself, just again, similar to the name of Old Firm Facts, how, how, do, how do you find it being on the other end of the screen when there's people getting in touch who are taking it incredibly seriously while the rest of us who followed you for years are just laughing going wow they've been they've been they've been drawn in again it's one of these things there's when you put when you post something like that like so the the, the first one that I did like that um before the trump one was former rangers target lionel messi set to leave barcelona with alfredo morelos future uncertain it's it was one of these things there's the whole, I, from the moment that I had the idea of doing it to the moment that I published it online, it, it took about 15, 20 minutes max. And it would have been different if we hadn't been, you know, if we were all in the office and there wasn't a pandemic and everything like that. But because, because of working from home, one of the sort of few benefits of working from home was that if I had an idea, I didn't have to wait until I was in the office or I didn't have to call someone in the office and send them the text and wait for them to upload it. I could just do everything myself. And uh, I just sat there and I was like, well, technically there is a link because I think it was like back in 2004 or something like that. Alec McLeish had supposedly expressed an interest in taking Messi on loan from Barcelona back when he was around, I don't know, like 16 or something like that. And he was just a kind of highly rated youngster. So there was nothing in the headline that was factually inaccurate. You could, he was in a sense, a former Rangers target. He was set to leave Barcelona because he'd handed in a transfer request and Alfredo Morelos's future was uncertain. Now, are any of those things connected? Probably not, but it was technically a factually correct headline. And um, when I wrote it, I thought, I'll probably have people who follow me that find this funny. I I liked the idea when I was doing it. And if I'm lucky, there might be a few, it might go beyond my audience and trip a few people up, which will be funny. But it went way beyond what I was expecting. And uh, I was getting people from all over the world sharing this. It was making news headlines in different uh, countries and, it, it was uh, it was surreal, but it was uh, it was brilliant. I, I just loved seeing the the headlines coming, the the responses coming in. In terms of the responses, there there are so many responses to the articles and the and the mm-hmm. the, the photos that you put out with the the, the weekly update, as, as I was mentioning earlier. In terms mm-hmm. of yourself, what do you want the future to hold for you? Because you you mentioned earlier on in the year, just towards the end, that you were leaving the daily record and I hope because as I say, I'm a big fan of your work that there will be opportunities for you on the horizon is, mm-hmm. is the goal for 2021 and beyond to just continue writing, broadcasting um, your content to as many people as you possibly can, whether that's on one standalone platform or multiple platforms. 
yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I the biggest thing for me is to sort of strike a balance between being able to write the things I enjoy writing about and being able to have a work-life balance and also hopefully be able to pay the bills as well. Um, so, yeah, I handed him a notice with uh, Reach, who have, who I was writing for for the last few years, handed him a notice there a few weeks ago. And I can't really say too much today because I've been speaking to quite a few people, but um, maybe even by the time this is out, I'll be able to say what I've been talking about and what I'm going to be doing next um, but there, you know, there's definitely stuff to look forward to and the aim for me is to just keep writing and hopefully be doing some other stuff that I'll be able to talk about soon but yeah I, I just for me I, I love the ability to just if I've got an idea just bash it out there and then you know and not have to wait to get approval from a number of people and then maybe all right we can't do it today but maybe you can do it tomorrow I think part of you know thinking about the stories that I've done or the columns that I've done that have worked the best a lot of the time those have been sort of reactive pieces so a story is broken and it's on that day quite quite soon after that I've been able to produce something and those ones tend to be the best because you don't you know it's, it's good to check your work obviously I always do that and it's good to think everything through but sometimes if you've you know if it's a case of well the story's broken on Wednesday you've got a column due for Saturday sometimes by Saturday the momentum's gone out the story people's interest is kind of gone maybe even your enthusiasm for the story is gone and you, you're you're maybe you're either forcing it or it's just lost a bit of the you know the momentum whereas if a story happens today and I get the idea for it there and then, if you can have it written and have the idea out there that day, that's when people will appreciate it the most. And that's when you're the most, there's got to be a better word than inspired, but, you know, let's say you're the most inspired to write it. Um, so, yeah, for me, having a bit of freedom to, to write the things that I like writing um, and keep doing that, that's the main thing. Absolutely, and, and I look forward to, to seeing what comes next. Just on the, not, not the future, not, not just for yourself, but the future of journalism and, and writing in Scotland. Yeah. I know you were, you were on um, uh, with Graham Spears uh, recently talking about this. Yeah. Where do you see the, the future of writing and broadcasting in Scotland? Because there are so many independent, outlets independent people like yourself who have made the journey from starting their own account to then having a really large platform what do you see the future being do you see mainstream so-called mainstream channels maybe incorporating some of these people into what they're doing or do you see another platform coming along that brings the independents together to create their own sort of mainstream channel for want of a better word i, th I think things are going to obviously continue to splinter in different directions so you know guys you know guys like yourself that are off your own back you've launched this podcast and you it's probably exceeded the expectations you know from having spoken to you that you, you might have had at first it's, it's really taken off and you can see there's a there's other podcasts there's fan media and all the rest of it but the, one of the biggest things that i took away from you know, it was it was two years in total that I was working full time in the record building. So before then, I was submitting columns 
uh, while I was working in a call centre by day, I was writing columns at night and sending them on. I was actually working in that environment full-time for two years. One of the biggest things I took away from is that there are really talented, younger, you know, certain generation, really talented guys in the so who who are more accustomed to the sort of digital side of things. And then there's the more experienced guys who have got their own set of talents as well. And I, the biggest thing for me was that those two sides could learn from each other. I don't think it's a case of out with the old and in with the new. I think that it'd be arrogant for guys like myself who don't have those decades worth of journalistic experience to just throw that overboard and go, no, I'm the new thing. I've got X amount of Twitter followers and we're going to do things my way. It's just not how it works. Those guys, um, there were times in that, you know, depending on what publication I was working for or what sort of things I was working on, there'd be times when I was sitting in with young people or, or younger people who were, you know, all they knew was, they'd come through social media and they'd come, th they were of that sort of digital side. And there were other times where I sat in with the guys who'd been, you know, doing this for decades. And I could let, I was learning loads from both of them. And it was really interesting to me, you know, I, you know, I, I was like, you know, I go into that building and I'm confident that I know what works on social media, but I learned so much about traditional journalism that will still apply regardless of whether newspaper sales or whether 10 years from now printed newspapers still exist or not. Those principles and skills and techniques and all that kind of thing, those approaches from the more experienced journalists, they'll still be applicable. And guys of my generation and even younger would be stupid and arrogant to overlook that. And similarly, when when there's such a big change in journalism going on and, and you know, so much has moved online and there's less demand for printed journalism, the more experienced guys, you know, are also looking to learn from, you know, what works on social media. So I think those generations can work together. And I think there will be a space for, you know, over the next few years, there'll still be a space for the experienced guys and the younger guys would be naive if they didn't take on board some of the kind of lessons that they can learn from that generation. Absolutely. I think there has to be a balance. I mean, I spoke to, to Stephen McGowan recently. He lives in, yeah. in a similar part of the world to myself. And, and Stephen uh, has obviously been writing for, for many years. And, and I was saying yeah. the exact same to think, thing to him where when people um, talk about things that interviews that I've had on CFB I always make the point I always say to them I'm not a journalist I wouldn't insult the likes of Stephen and others yeah. who who have, have studied journalism and have been in the craft for for, for many many years you know what yeah. I'm doing is is my, is my own um, thing in my own space and if you enjoy it fantastic and you can yeah. give it a name if you want but I'm not going to give it that title in terms yeah. of the online generation as such the the, the fan media boom independent media boom what advice would you give to people involved in that, myself included, because you've obviously entered the social media world and you've been on this incredible journey that, that continues to grow and continues to evolve. What advice would you, would you give to people who maybe dream of doing something similar? Because 
one of the things that it's clear in life, whether it's football writing or whether it's a job and you're working your way up a company ladder, things don't come to you easily and you have to work very hard. No. So what advice would you give to, to maybe put someone on that trajectory if that's what they're desperate and passionate to do? One of the one of the things that sometimes gets overlooked and uh, it's something that I've always thought about and it's something from speaking to... Uh, editors and from speaking to people who've been around in this business a lot longer than I have one of the things that seems to get lost by a lot of people is make yourself an easy person to work with so you know there, there's certainly times you know you have to stand up for yourself if you are being told to write something that you just plain disagree with then absolutely you have to try and maintain your integrity and push back against that and similarly if you've floated an idea that some you know that the the person above you doesn't like you've got to still fight for that and say no this is why i believe in it and you'll win some of those and you'll lose some of them and you obviously have to compromise but you've got to be a decent person to work with there there are and i've seen this happen there are talented people out there who have reputations you know and so they might be able to you know turn out some decent copy but they're not you know, someone that you would necessarily want to spend a great deal of time with. And so it's a really kind of underrated, uh, you know, part of the process is actually making yourself someone that will get, um, you know, a good reference from people that they've worked with before. People will go, yeah, I worked with that guy. Uh, he was he was really decent. So that, you know, it's a small industry, although there are so many different podcasts websites publications etc scottish football is a small world scottish football journalism is an even smaller world within that so if you piss off someone or if you have an attitude if you're arrogant if you're cocky if you if your work starts going downhill or it seems half-arsed or you're missing deadlines or whatever all of those things will start to do the rounds people will know that about you so you might go well that doesn't matter because i'm going to leave this place anyway but People talk from one publication to another and your name won't be long before your, your name is kind of getting crossed out in different places. So it's really important, I think, that you're hitting your deadlines, that you maintain a consistent level of quality in your work, but also that you're someone that people actually want to work with. Brilliant advice. And and I would encourage everyone listening to this, um, especially if you, you don't follow Scottish football, follow at Old Firm Facts 1 because... If you're if you're not aware of Scottish football, then then you simply have to because every week is 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 absolutely mad. And whether that's on the field, off the field, or on social media, and and Adam with Old Turn Facts really delivers the the very best of that. So thank you so much for your time, Adam. I cannot wait to see what you're up to in the future. I have no doubts with the creative freedom that 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 you want and crave that it will be even better than everything that's came before. And that's a big statement because everything that's came before has been amazing. So keep up the great work and thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and Shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song. They'll be.